Yeah. Can't wait for another one of my favorite movies to get ruined. <laughs> oh, God. One of your favorite movies. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we're talking about Avatar, The Way of Water. Dad, I know you think I'm crazy. But I feel her. I hear her heartbeat. She's so close. So what does her heartbeat sound like? As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and joining me is my co-host, Cody Webb. Cody, how are we doing? You ready to uh, talk about Avatar, back-to-back Avatar yeah. movie picks here? Oh, I'm pumped. I think it's going to be a great episode. Uh, you know, the, the first Avatar, I think it, it was an okay flick to talk about, but I think this episode's definitely going to be uh, a little bit more interesting, at least. And uh, we brought along one of my favorite guests of all time. Had to bring him back. I'll just go ahead and introduce Here's some out right here. My boy Aiden Cottery's back. We ruined Interstellar for him last time. And uh but yeah, I, I do, man. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you guys brought me back. Um, you did ruin Interstellar for me, but it was a good ruin, you know. I'm I'm always glad to get educated about uh things I don't know a whole lot about. But I'm came prepared this time. I'm ready to brought some facts for Avatar 2. And I'm ready. Glad to be back. You've been doing some uh, research, Aiden. Have you? Uh, you've been kind of getting into movies. What have you been watching recently? Yeah, I had a little uh, phase there. I've been a little busier, but over uh, over Christmas, I had a lot of spare time, so I think I watched like four or five DiCaprio movies in like a day and a half. Just kind of sat on the couch, binged them all. So I'm getting there. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not on you guys' level yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> we like it. We we appreciate the effort, Cody. What were you gonna say? <laughs> Oh, I don't remember. Uh. <laughs> well, we're glad to have uh, Aiden as a guest for the episode today. We had a great guest for our last Avatar episode, so we had to bring in another good one. Oh, Let's yeah. start with why did you? Pick I remember. The what I, was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say. I just leave this all in. I was gonna say. I think we had multiple requests for uh, people who were running to do this movie, um, but Aiden he he jumped on it early. Shout out to him. But uh, I think this is is a movie that a lot of people want to talk about. So. Yeah, should be a good episode, I think. Sought after. The viewers are ready for the Avatar The Way of the Water episode, so we hope to uh, please them and, and satisfy all their needs so that they don't have to go sit through the three hours of this movie. <laughs> um, let's talk why. Why? 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 Aiden, why did you want to talk about Avatar? Um, so uh, when I was a kid, I saw the first Avatar in theaters. My dad is also a big sci-fi nerd, and I was, what, 10 years old when that movie came out and it was like one of the first good 3d movies as far as like 3d goes and it was just mind blown and then you know over the years don't think i had seen it again until this last year did not age as well as in my 10 year old brain but it was still pumped to see the second one and uh saw it on the second night came out like the 16th i think i saw it on the 17th liked it a lot right off the bat and then once, you know, I saw a lot of negative reviews online and it made me think. And then I was thinking if there's anybody I need to 
talk through those reviews with it's the two guys that know more about movies than anyone. So I was very excited to hop on to this one. And uh, we we are probably definitely more on the spectrum of the negative, but hey, this is the uh, highest grossing movie of 2023, and uh, this is a or sorry, this is the highest grossing movie of 2022, and uh, mm. it's a good way to get things going here in the early weeks of 2023 to talk about it. Let's move over to our initial thoughts. Good morning, Vietnam. First thing I want to talk about is just. What was everyone's movie going experience like? How did you see it? Um, have you seen it a second time? I know Aiden, you might have watched a little bit today. So I just want to kind of hit everybody. Maybe we start with Cody. How did you experience the way of water? Yeah, uh, you start off with me. Also, just to point out, I think critically, I mean, uh, the tomato meter's got it pretty high. So um, I think we might be in in the the minuscule here. But anyway, yeah, I saw this movie like a couple weeks ago. I don't remember, but it, it was not, you know, opening night or anything. I did see it in 3D, which I do enjoy. I, don't, I feel like nowadays um, I would never go and see a 3D movie other than like an Avatar project. So I appreciate that. Love love wearing the glasses. Uh, one of the, the big perks, I would say. Other than that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just it's one of those you have to see in the theater. I've only seen it once as well. So maybe on rewatch, I would get a little bit different experience. But the thing is, I don't want to like watch it on my laptop or anything. Like if I'm going to go see it, I feel like in the theater is a must. Who would watch it on a laptop? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I saw, I also saw it in 3D. Um, and like Cody said, like that's definitely the optimal way to see this type of movie. Right. I watched, I didn't watch the whole thing today, but I somehow some way there was i saw it online i don't know how that was possible but um a bootlegged version of avatar avatar 2 believe it or not does not hold up as far <laughs> as visually to seeing it in 3d believe it or not so i kind of skipped through and just like rewatched some of the bigger scenes um just like refresh my memory but definitely in theaters like you said corbin this is the type of movie where it's meant to be experienced in 3D. It's meant to be experienced in person yeah. in an actual just, theater. Just curious too, uh, where, where did you like pirate off of? Uh, I, need, I need new website tips. <laughs> we'll talk off mic. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to, to incriminate yourself. But... <laughs> or wearing a wire. Are you mic'd, Cody, at the t- current time? Yeah, I do have a mic. But I mean, oh, well. I'm not yeah. a cop. Don't say anything. <laughs> Don't trust <laughs> Oh, I, I just saw The Departed. I, I know how this goes. You know about those rats. Um, for me, I did see this movie a little late, like Cody. I think I saw it before Cody, but still it was after Christmas just because of traveling and family. I just didn't have the ch- chance. It was normally I would never miss a movie like this opening weekend, but you know, it was the holidays and I spent time with family rather than getting a chance to go to see the movie. When I did see it, I saw it in 4DX, which if you're not familiar with what that is, the seat is like kind of, uh, they're in like pods of four and they're free moving and they kind of rotate and shift a little bit as the movie's happening. Um, There's also air that blows out from behind you as gunshots are fired, kind of whizzing past your ear or any other explosion. Someone gets shot with an arrow or a bullet, then uh, you might get a little tap in the back to feel it um when somebody drowns uh someone comes over and covers your mouth and suffocates you to, uh, that um, doesn't happen but no you do get splashed with water which that part was able to be turned on and off but 
I'll tell you what, the way of water, it was wet for me. I will tell you that there was mist spraying in my face left and right. There's also some like strobe lights and such on the walls and some other environmental effects um, to just kind of make this whole experience 4D. It was probably a little much to see it the first time. I'd never done a movie experience like that. And I was like, if I'm going to do it, why not Avatar The Way of Water? It kind of seems like the perfect one. I did go see it again uh, on Monday of this week at the IMAX in Lincoln Square, the really big one. That was a much more like pure movie going experience. I was able to sit down, actually follow the plot a little bit closely um, rather than just like being immersed in whatever the fuck was happening around (laughs) me. Um, Definitely positives and negatives to both experiences, but I'm I'm excited to talk about this movie all in all. Um, It's definitely an interesting movie going experience and it's an interesting, you know, piece in the greater world of movies in 2022. When you, when you compare it, there's really nothing quite like it. The First thing I want to talk about in my initial thoughts is this use of high frame rate filmmaking. Is this something I, I know I've talked to Cody about this, but Aiden, are you aware of this at all? Yeah. So this is something like initially I had read a little bit about, but not enough where like I could really tell a huge difference, at least just to my eye. But I don't know about you guys. Well, so there's an interesting thing is that like it's all dependent on where you go see it and like what screen some are not showing it in the high frame rate. So you may not have even like had seen it. It's, it's hard to say. Um, I think my second showing wasn't in high frame rate, but the first was, and I really hated it when it happened Um, to essentially explain this to the viewers, the people who haven't seen it, or maybe the people that didn't notice movies like Gemini man, which was shot in 120 frames or, uh, Peter Jackson's Hobbit. Hobbit Unexpected Journey, which I think was in 48 or 64. It's like the barrels in the river, like that scene, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's an uncommon thing done in modern movie making, but it has been done typically to mass dislike from the audience. But basically, these movies are at a higher frame rate because traditionally 24 frames is what we're used to seeing in regular filmmaking. This was established all the way back in the early days of film when it was a reel going through and there was literal frames of film and there was 24 every second still frames creates a moving image. If you've seen the fucking Empire of Light trailer or the Fablemans this year, countless other movies about how movies are made, you'll get this whole speech about how 24 still images come together to make a moving picture and oh my God, it's so beautiful, blah, 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 whatever. To the human eye, they're moving so fast that it essentially seems like motion is happening in front of you. They determined all the way back in the early times because of basically testing early movies, like way, way early film photography was like 16 frames a second. And that was just too jittery. They tried higher, but it didn't quite match up with the way that they were able to record sound at the time. So they decided to stick with 24. And it's really just became a constant in the industry and in filmmaking since, you know, the early days, the 20s, the 30s. Um, So 24 frames is the traditional when it comes to some TV video stuff, 30 frames happens a lot. Um, Particularly like soap operas are shot in 30 frames. The difference is pretty imperceptible, but you know, just kind of gauge where it's at. Avatar the way of water is 48 frames per second sometimes. So James Cameron's big belief that where Peter Jackson failed and where Ang Lee failed with their movies is that they use it for the entirety of the film. And he thinks, James Cameron thinks that if you only use it in certain sequences when it's necessary, 
it'll be more successful and it'll kind of, it's, it's another thing. It's like 3D. It's a tool the filmmaker has to enhance what the viewer is watching. Yes, most action is shot at 48 frames per second, but there'll be random dialogue scenes that are 48 frames and then it'll cut to a different angle and it'll be 24 frames. And for me, that's a little bit jarring that switching back and forth, but and all the, the 48 frames can, you know, be positive. It creates a smoother image when you're trying to track motion across the screen. Everything is a lot more crisp. If you watch a lot of like action videos or even the things we do for like sports, baseball, it's all 60 frames because moving things, you want to be able to see crispy, you know, at 60 frames a second. But in a movie with CGI and with humans that you're trying to create something realistic, you kind of get into this uncanny valley of, the fake CGI is more detailed. The fact that they aren't actually real people becomes more noticeable. People really complained about it in, you know, the Gemini Man stuff and, you know, like the way the Hobbits looked in uh, The Hobbit itself. So for me, I think the high rate filmmaking for the most part is unsuccessful in this. Um, obviously, you guys didn't really get to experience it the same way or didn't notice it as much, but it reminds me of video games, video games that are 120 frame cutscenes, or, you know, the 60 frame video games you'll watch people playing on YouTube. It just is more video gamey than real filmic quality. Well said off the bat there. And um, I do agree. I mean, the, the showing that I had, I don't believe it, it was in that, you know, high res quality, but there were still a couple of scenes where I was like, this doesn't look the best. I feel like it, it really is depending on what theater you're watching it in. And if you do go to, to one of those where they're doing that, uh, like you said, Corbin, you were highly affected by it. I feel like your first viewing. Yeah. Um, so a, a lot of other people probably experienced the same thing. But um, yeah, it, it's just a lot, a lot of, it's kind of those like blue blurs all over the place at times. And uh, there were a couple of fights, especially at the end, where it did look like super video gamey to me, even though it wasn't in that, um, which is interesting in itself. So I feel like if, if it wasn't that, like it would work, look even worse and i don't know it, it's something like you know cgi wise i think james cameron thinks it's kind of the future a little bit which you know delusional old man you know he's getting up there i don't know i, I think somebody i mean 1.9 billion dollars says maybe it is the future though that's the thing i guess <laughs> well, I don't know. well there's a lot of things about this movie that don't live up to 1.9 billion dollars but we'll get to it but uh yeah i think eventually they will figure it out i mean what was it like 20 years ago like animated crap what uh, like pixar for for example like that was nothing that first toy story people like what the hell is this like this is ugly as hell and i mean looking nowadays so give it 20 years and and i'm sure somebody will perfect it he is uh nothing if not an innovator just straight away i guess maybe getting more into the actual movie it just looks great like similar to cody i don't know if my theater was showing it in the high resolution regardless like i am just a sucker for like the sci-fi worlds like i think that's definitely the highlight of the movie and you even from the like opening scene where they're just like panning over the skies of pandora right they're showing them flying through just like get you back into the world it's just like i was like back 10 years old hooked right away into the movie and that just kept coming back to me was how good the world looked like the oceans especially when they're traveling to uh the water tribe for the first time like their journey there it just looks really good even if like you said with the frame rates especially in the end scene like was a little hectic but just like the world itself i think is something that 
every Avatar movie, I'm assuming, is going to always stand out to me personally. The most successful parts of the effects in this are everything natural. The, the, the background, the environment, like that stuff looks incredible. It looks real. It looks, and, and that's the thing that I guess has always appealed to people, you know, wanting to be in Pandora, wanting to be a part of the world. But when you get the, particularly like the, I, I said this about the first one, but like the mech suits and the ship sinking, like that shit, like that's when it starts to get a little bit wonky at points. But I, I do completely agree. Like the imagery of the natural world James Cameron has found like the perfect way to to get that. First off, I mean, talk, talking pacing wise, uh, this, this is a pretty long movie. Uh, I believe it clocks in somewhere around like three and a half, somewhere around there. It's three twelve, but you know, you go to a theater, you sit through twenty minutes of previews, you get your potentially your Nicole Kidman pre roll if you're at an AMC. You know, you get there's a lot that goes into when you sit down and and to, from time you get there to time you leave. The trailer time always throws me off, but I believe I went to a two o'clock showing. It might have been a one thirty, and I came out and it was pitch black out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, there goes my day. Yeah, I think this movie's a lot of fun. Uh, spoiler alert: I do think that this movie's better than the original. It's a pretty wild statement. I feel like the thing about it is that I really like. It's utterly ridiculous, but it knows it. Just like straight off, straight off the bat, they bring back Stephen Lang. Um, in the dumbest possible way uh, just to have him in the movie again which I, i'm kind of fine for because at least he's a fun villain and you know what he's going to do he's going to try and kill jake silly so he has great intentions i think but yeah i don't know ultimately for me this movie is super fun and it, it does try at least to be heartfelt like the first one I, I don't think it gave really any effort to like you know delving into the characters that much it's kind of just um, a man like rebelling against his, his culture kind of movie, which, you know, it is what it is. But in this one, I mean, the writing, I don't know if it's better, but it's a better effort. So uh, I appreciate that effort. And uh, overall, you know, I'm just going to give this movie a C plus because I, I think, it, you know, it's right in that standard. <laughs> but yeah, Letting your rating out of the bag a little soon there, <laughs> Cody. You hit on something interesting there because the story is ridiculous. The thing, the plot, the things that happen are fucking insane. And, and we'll get into some specifics later, but we'll hit the, the Quaritch one, the, the Stephen Lang evil twin <laughs> returning thing. Like that right there, that's a ridiculous story beat. But the writing is better. Like the way they connect the pieces, like in general is better than the first one and makes more sense. There's a lot of story things I don't like, which causes me to like this movie less as a whole. But I do think that they like they foreshadow some things early on. They kind of build to a certain climax. There's some character choices that I don't really understand and nobody really grows. But in terms of writing, I do agree it is, it is better. I shared an article with you two uh, titled, from the New York Times titled Avatar The Way of the Restroom uh, because this movie is fucking long and it's about water. So someone, uh, shout out Callie Holterman, the New York Times for uh, writing this this article about how everybody had to pee during the Avatar Way of the Water. Did you guys make it through the movie without a bathroom break? <laughs> I did. I did. And it was a big, I went with my roommate to see it. And we went and saw, uh, when we went and saw the new Black Panther a month or so ago, I had to leave to go to the bathroom twice. And so that was, this was a very big concern, but I prepared and I somehow made it through, but I will say the very first thing I did once the, once the credits had ended and there was no end credit scene, 
I spread it to the bathroom. Yeah. When you were no longer immersed by the weekend. (laughs) Well, that is very true. It took a second. I had to. Once the weekend hit in my theater, everybody was hoofing it out straight to the bathroom. And uh, (laughs) I I was definitely included. I didn't even stay for for like any of the actor credits either. So I don't even know half people who like were playing the Navi. So I was probably interested in that. But oh, once the weekend hit, I was out. And I think everybody was, was behind me. Should movies have intermissions? What do you think, guys? Just don't make it four hours. I mean, that, that's my thing. But... There's been so many. There's been a lot of movies this year in particular. Babylon, over three hours. Black Panther is like 240. Tars like 240. Like, there's a lot of movies that are two and a half plus. Movies are getting kind of long. Um, they've always been long, for sure. But, you know, why... Why not have a you know halfway through? Let's all take a five minute break. They do they do it at Broadway shows. Let's let's have a little fun with movies. Go refill your popcorn. Get another drink. You know. I have another thing I want to bring up. Um, basically, James Cameron, the story wise as well. To just keep talking about that, he's kind of ripping off a lot of other franchises and himself. I was going to say the himself thing. Yeah, I'm going to go on a little spiel here. So bear with me. So this movie to me is a combination of three things. First off, combination of Star Wars. So, I don't know, just me, when uh, the humans first arrived at the planet, I got big-time Star Wars vibes. Kind of like the Empire, like, descending out of the sky. Yeah, that was the best part of the movie. Yeah, when the gates open. Spoiler alert. There's, like, oh, the steam, and everybody's marching, like, they're stormtroopers and stuff. Like, that's cool, but it's ripping off uh, The Force Awakens, I think, a little bit. And then also, it has a lot to do with Star Wars. Because everyone in this damn universe has to be related. Uh, <laughs> can any of you guys tell me why Spider has to be Stephen Lang's son? Because that is the most annoying plot point, I think, in this movie. And um, yeah, it's literally just that family versus Jake Sully's family. That's the movie. There's really Tale no... Tale as other... old as time. Yeah, well, I don't buy it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Also, like... There's a there's a big like a uh, plot point that's left out saying like, oh, who's Sigourney Weaver's dad? You know, we had the same questions of who's Ray's dad. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's kind of just like similarities. It's not passable. You know, you're trying to be Star Wars, which is understandable, but you can't take like the exact same plot points from the first movie. So I don't know. It, it's tough. Anyway, <laughs> the second franchise he rips off. It's the Fast and Furious. This movie, it's about family. <laughs> That's the most important thing. James Cameron, I'll tell you what, man. He's just, he's like, how can I possibly make the most money? Rip off myself? Rip off the Fast franchise? Rip off Star Wars? That's got to be like top five of the box office all time. So it makes sense, I guess. But uh, yeah, I hate that. And then lastly, I mean, it's an obvious Titanic reference. The boat going down. Take down Super Abbey's. But I mean, the abyss to those torpedo kind of um, underwater crafts, I feel like are pretty similar to the ones there. Um, and then the thing that I, this is the thing that I really dislike about this movie. It's the exact same plot as the first minus the family stuff, because, oh, you know, he's an outcast. They have to go into a new culture and fit in. That's bullshit. They're going to do that every fucking movie. And it's so annoying. I And I, I wrote this before this even came out. But I was like, oh, what are they going to do? Go live with the volcano people? And then there was a report coming out saying, oh, they're going to the fire tribe next or something stupid. So, uh, yeah, I'm not excited for that. But I, I don't know. I, I think just because it's a sequel, 
you can go a different direction. You don't have to have the exact same plot. But yeah, basically it's just big rip but, up. Uh, that's my spiel. Even the premise of why the humans are there is different, but it's the same. <laughs> because in the first movie, they're searching for is unobtainium, right? Yeah. 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 In this one, they're searching for whale sperm. Like <laughs> it's just a natural like there it's just the same thing. Fountain of youth whale source. sperm. Is it sperm? Exactly. I missed that. No, it's, no. It's, it's like their brain juice. Yeah, it's okay. Which but it's like brain juice. Like we have Jake Sully defending the native people who are being invaded for their natural resources just all over again. Exactly what you said. But I think what you touched on where the difference is the family and like it is funny and that was it does draw some similarities. I hadn't thought of the Fast and Furious thing, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> I think that's where I actually like this better than the first movie because I think the family aspects and the characters related to the family was the one part that like at least there was something there compared to the first movie. Like that was the one thing, the one difference where I was like, okay, this is actually time in and that's the reason why I wasn't just snoozing for the entire movie because you knew what was going to happen because it's the same movie as the first one. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's like the writer's actually trying. Which again, I, I'm a C plus forever, but um, yeah, I, I do like this better than the first one. So I agree. Let's move on to roll credits. Roll credits. Avatar: The Way of Water. Um, obviously it was said by uh the princess of the water tribe. I don't, I don't know what her name is, but Kate Winslet's daughter. She says the way of water has no beginning and no end. Our hearts beat in the womb of the world. Water connects all things, life to death darkness to light the fuck does that mean I mean, like i know what it means but what does it have yeah. to do with the plot that's that's my big connection is like well they the do plot. this whole thing like i get that they're in water but like mm-hmm. what does water like teach them about life that like leads to their victory or to like their success or their happiness like they have the, like i think i'm just like either i'm missing some connection or it just feels like an overly forced, cool set piece location. Like James Cameron loves being in the water. So this is his water movie, but like he, the thematic storytelling there is, is a little confusing. Can you explain it, Cody? I think maybe a little bit, obviously he does like being underwater, which I don't blame him, but I think it has more to do with James Cameron, like why he wants to make these movies. And the reason he wants to make these movies is, to try and save the environment so it's not i don't think it has to do with the plot at all i I think it has to do with his main theme of being like hey the ocean is sick like these people are a part of the ecosystem they they live and and breathe solely through the water we can do the same thing let's save the planet i think that's what he's saying by that uh plot wise i mean yeah you got me there i can't really explain that but i I think that's his vision for all these movies really is yeah, I know we got the deforestation movie in the first one, and this is yeah. the you know the whaling movie. But yeah, and I guess yeah the the volcano bullet dozing. Movie. I don't know what. <laughs> don't touch the Don't dozing. dump trash in volcanoes. Actually, we should. Isn't that kind of that's that genius <laughs> idea? <laughs> oh, right. Deferred aid. <laughs> I I think that gets into some more ecological questions about how the atmosphere <laughs> works. But regardless of that. <laughs> Matter is not created or destroyed, Cody. What if you melt it, though? <laughs> oh, hmm, I hadn't thought of that. Um, Aiden, are you a fan of the way of the water as a concept? So I think, like, as 
Hey, Siegel, and I, I like struggled with this when I was trying to think about how I wanted to word this. In the grand scheme of the Avatar, right, of the series, if James Cameron lives long enough to finish his vision for Pandora, I think it will make more sense because, like, we're getting rumors that the third movie has to do with the fire. And I think when he's done, it would not surprise me if he's just exploring, like, different elements almost, mm. like a certain other Avatar-related TV show. Maybe I'm sure there's no correlation there, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it would make more sense once he's all finished. But the fact that we had to wait 12 years for <laughs> this is where I think people get disappointed, right? If this had been released where it was initially supposed to what, in like 2015, I think it would have been received a little bit better. And I think people would have been able to see that a little bit better, but just as like this grand sequel, I completely agree. I don't. It was just he wanted to be in the water. And this was like his vision for what was next. Well, and, you know, it's interesting. You you talk about waiting so long. And some of the problems that I had off the first watch were like, well, like this was never addressed and like this wasn't explained. But like I kind of have to like take a step back and be like, this is just like the second movie and what's going to be like five other like three hour movies. So like there is a lot more to explore and like this world is still vast and big and there are unanswered questions. And so I think I have to respect that, but I think because we waited 13 years, it feels like this should just be like the, the story. Like, I, I don't know, like this is, this isn't part two. This is, you know, well, it is part two, but it's part two of five or six, you know, not part two of two, um, which, you know, I guess can leave some people disappointing for sure. Talking about people in this and just general credits, we see the return of Kate Winslet in an interesting role. What did you guys think of her performance and, you know, her return to the world of James Cameron and water as well? Yeah, I, I thought she was pretty good. I mean, I, it's hard in the mocap to really stand out, I think. But her her character, I, I thought, was pretty badass and um, actually had like a decent amount of dialogue compared to the rest of the water tribe people. So I thought it was a good role. I, I would guess that she'll just keep continuing, you know, being different people in these different tribes. Just because, I mean, it's mocap. That's kind of what they did with Sigourney Weaver, which I'm sure we'll talk about too. Well, but, I mean, it appears uh, at the end of this movie that they're staying with the same tribe. So I think... I think well, they said that around. the last movie too, didn't they? I, I don't know. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like you said, it's it, it's hard to stand out. I'm not going to lie. I kind of had forgotten that Kate Winslet was in the movie until the credits and had to like look up which character she was just because like you said it's hard to tell but i mean this is this is her first camera movie since titanic is that correct mm -hmm. she wow. was not so, very happy with uh having to film in water tanks apparently but she's back <laughs> she is back she just can't escape him um but yeah like it was cool that she was featured in it but it wasn't something that was like super standing out to me yeah, I agree. It's it is almost. I mean, you you can't really fault an actor for, I guess, disappearing into a role, right? But like, it didn't really stand out as Kate Winslet at all, and they probably could have gotten, you know, somebody else to do it that that wasn't her. And it is it is a weird choice for her, particularly. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the beauty of these movies, though. Like, none of the acting really stands out. I think Zoe Saldana, like you know her just from the first one. But I mean, if that wasn't Sam Worthington, um, like I honestly wouldn't be surprised if you're like, oh, hey, that was Andy Serkis acting like Sam Worthington, <laughs> like five years later, I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I, I couldn't tell you. But 
I feel like mocap is tough to stand out. You have to like do an accent like Stephen Lang or something, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. Kate Winslet, like she was good, but it's just the role's too small really for for her to do anything. And then also just to continue real credits, uh, some other stuff I had down. I think the way of water, like as a subtitle, it's actually pretty good. Uh, it might be the best one we get if we're being honest. Rumored the seed bear coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great one. Can't wait for the seed bear. Um, but I mean, Hey, back it, to the, uh, the whale sperm. <laughs> yeah. It always comes back to that. But uh, yeah, the way of water, I mean, it's simple, it's memorable, it fits the movie. Uh, I bet, uh, you know, in 20 years when he's released five more, that's probably the best one. And also another thing I wanted to mention, uh, the closing shot in this movie, uh, it's kind of an homage to the first one. So the first one obviously opens and closes with, you know, the eyes opening and then the eyes closing, Sam Worthington and, and then Sam Worthington Avatar. This one, it opens with some cool establishing shots, you know, of Pandora, which I guess is cool. But the ending, again, they do the homage where it's like the opening of the eyes, which I thought was dope. They, I thought they should have opened it and ended it that way. But uh, I'll take the, just the homage at the end. They open with uh, Natiri in the jungle, right? After that? Yeah, that's true. I mean, the the real opening scene is that. And I think it does do like a close-up of her face. But I mean, there's like 30 seconds before of that of just Pandora crap. So. yeah, yeah. Kind of tough. Is there any other filmmaker that could do this? Like, is there anyone else that can do, could make this movie? Is there anyone else that would want to do this? I think my question too. Who would want to do this? I mean, it doesn't look like much fun. (laughs) That's true. And I think that's where I think about the actors is this is a James Cameron movie. Like, this is, and I think, I guess you could say like most James Cameron movies are a James Cameron movie, but this is his movie. And I don't think anyone else would be able to like take that on, nor would they want to. Yeah, yep. I, I, I agree with that gen- generally. I mean, obviously, that, that's the crazy thing, though, to say, because it's like there's so many people that they go into making this. Right? And there's so many people that go into making any movie, but this one especially, like, the, you know, PA on one shoot because like this was shot in so many different pieces and different like times and locate like and then there's tons of like VFX stuff and like there's just so many moving parts that go into a movie, and you know there's an interesting question of like, you know, is there a really like a single auteur behind this or you know is it a mass project and in in most cases I would say no, it, it is about the you know the whole rather than you know just or I guess the parts rather than just the whole, but I think if you lose James Cameron, I, I don't, you could have every other part be the same with, and no James Cameron. And this would be, I just don't think you could do it. I think, I, I mean, I feel like other people would definitely like, if he did actually like die, I think somebody would step up and be like, all right, I'm going to, who finish. are they hiring Cody? What's your pick? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the first one off the top of my head is JJ Abrams, but I don't know if that'd go well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you just need a, a big, big ass sci-fi director anything from star wars fuck it dude give it to ryan johnson at this point I, i'd be fine with that give it to the russos what do you think about that Cody? <laughs> the russos 100 the thing is like in hollywood people would want to do this because every single one makes like three billion dollars so you'd be dumb not to and like you said it's definitely a collaborative effort i think james cameron is not going through every frame you know doing every single vfx reshooting every single scene there's a lot of help and there's a lot going into these movies so i think even if you were brought on as the director, it's like, oh, I don't have to do that much, really. And I'm still getting this massive paycheck. So let's move on to the good, the bad, 
and the ugly. Let's start with the good stuff. I'll go with the first one. And you kind of talked about this a little bit, Cody, but you know, James Cameron, yes, he rips off a lot of things, but the main thing I think he's ripping off here is, is his own life actually, because to me, Jake Sully is James Cameron. You know, James Cameron has, you know, kind of a bit of a mixed family, similar to that of Jake Sully, you know, children of different parents and wives and such and step kids. And he was a very like militant person very early on. And, you know, you know, call me, sir, let's, you know, rock shit. Um, you know, let's be very professional in the household. And I think his, his family kind of pushed back against that at a certain point from what I understand and kind of made him, you know, turn things around and change if he wanted to be a part of their lives. Um, and that's, that's kind of, you know, what happens to Jake Sully in this movie to a certain extent. his family doesn't push back, but he, I guess, has to kind of let lighten up a little bit or stop being such a hard ass. Um, but yeah, so Jake Sully is James Cameron. And if you're going to make a movie, especially a movie about family and love and life, you should, you know, base it off of something real. True. Yeah. Uh, do you think one of his sons is <laughs> that too far? Uh, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that is sort of the best kind of movies, though, where a director or like a lead actor can relate to stuff that's happened in real life. I mean, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man is a great example, but there's so many perfect examples of that. And like putting aspects of your real life in a movie usually makes it better. So I feel like James Cameron didn't take too much from his real life because this movie sucks. But um, yeah, Aiden, what will happen to you? Give us some good stuff you like about this movie. For me, I kind of touched on it earlier, but the thing that stood out so much from the first movie was the characters and specifically the kids. And not that the kids were incredible actors or had incredible lines, but just I felt like you could just connect with them much more. And maybe that was because the majority of their dialogue came during like an hour and a half span where nothing really happened. So you didn't have much of a choice to connect with the kids. But I felt like I was much more attached to like their own, like what they were going through, like how they were adjusting to the tribe itself. I thought that was kind of something I got attached to early on. Um, Whereas like I, in the first movie, like Cody, you had kind of said, it's just Jake solely rebelling against his like cult, which is cool, I guess. And, but for me, like that wasn't something that at least me personally, I was like super bought into. Whereas this, the kids were what really like stood out to me as like the highlights, at least for the characters. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. There's one kid that we don't really get to see very much of, and then he fucking dies. So I don't even know what one died. Which, which the <laughs> older brother one died. Are you, are you the responsible older brother trope. Yeah. Uh, so is the younger brother's fault again. Uh, they should have just killed yes. the younger brother, I think. I don't know. That brings me to my second point, is that there are some, you know, okay, good writing decisions, as I talked about early. First of all, James Cameron had a big problem when he got to this point, is that the Navi speak a different language other than English. And if you're going to make a movie, yes, you, you could do it all in subtitles, and you could have that papyrus font just all over your movie. Um, I, he made the right decision in, in with one throwaway line, you know, Hey, uh, I've been around Navi so long or, you know, the Navi language so long, it just sounds like English to me. And then suddenly everybody's speaking English. I think that is a dumb thing in a dumb line, but it works really well and it is yeah. successful and it's probably the best thing you could do. So I got to give him credit for that because in terms of making the movie flow, getting you to buy in, making it make sense. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Boom. Okay. 
and we keep rolling and there's another hundred things we have to address in the first hour of this movie. Um, some other stuff, you know, it establishes very early on this Natiri spider relationship. She never really accepts him into the family. And then, you know, we kind of see that play out in the third act. So, you know, her first interaction of the, them on screen is her being like, he should be back with his own people. So like it establishes that early, the younger brother screwing the older brother over that trope, the responsible older brother. I mean, the very first scene we see of them in battle is the younger brother putting him in danger and then he gets hurt. This is obviously heavily foreshadowing his eventual demise because of some dumb shit that the younger brother gets him into. It also happens another time in the middle of the movie. Um, and then the other thing that I think is really smart writing, like you said, is getting rid of the unobtainium. Obviously, whale brains is just a replacement of that. And they also have the whole thing that Earth is dying and we need to like live on this planet. But I think saying that about whale brains is better than unobtainium because everything is better than unobtainium yeah i definitely agree with that uh my my big one was just like the overall message i did like it better than the first one the whaling scene like the first time they show that i thought was actually like really well done really like just thought provoking being like they legit do this to whales and even like tons of other animals too rhinos namely like that happens every single day it's pretty crazy and also like the whales being like these super intelligent creatures like they said they were smarter than us and they're just choosing not to fight because it's just against their morals. I think that's sick. Like these these whales are like, we are so much better than you that will literally let you kill us just because we're smarter. Like the, these whales are badass. So shout out to them. And um, that kind of goes along with my big thing that I really liked about this movie as well. Everything visual in the water with just um, the one brother and the one whale who had that connection. I thought it was awesome. That, that was by far my favorite, just, just visual-wise. Him just holding on to his fin with like those deep underwater shots I thought were sick. And then when he sped up as well and was flying with him, uh, I thought it was sick. So shout out James Cameron. He knows what he's doing visually. Uh, my, my biggest pro in the last movie was all the flying scenes. So he knows what he's doing, I feel like, action-wise in drawing you in with, with this 3D. And I, I think it worked maybe even better in the water. So yeah, those were my big pros. Yeah, as far as his message, it felt much more direct in this movie, where I felt like in the first Avatar movie, it was just very broad and maybe to like the average viewer, not super relatable. Like personally, it's the same thing as like when you see on the news, like about global warming and climate change, like you don't see that affecting you personally, like you don't see that visually, but like specifically that scene where they're harvesting the It felt very centrist just, in the first movie. Right. Like he was presenting this as an issue, but... I think in this movie, especially like the where they're harvesting the whale, which is very brutal and kind of unexpected compared to like what had happened the previous like hour and a half. It just kind of like shocked you into like, this is actually what happens. I thought like that was where he was like really hitting home with this point, which I really enjoyed that. I mean, didn't enjoy that part, but the message behind that. That was your favorite scene. <laughs> the, the whale. I love watching the whales. Yeah. The... I do agree that a lot of the water stuff does look really great outside yeah. of that like final boat battle at night. Yeah. The first shot of Pandora is incredible. I think everything in the in space, you say it's very Star Wars, but it looks like it looks better than anything Star Wars has ever done. That shot of the spaceship, that was the that is my favorite shot of the movie. It is the coolest thing and I wish these films leaned more heavy sci-fi like true sci-fi and I think that's probably why I don't like them as much as cuz they're not as like alien it's more natural you know connected to the world type thing 
I don't, I don't know. I never really think of these movies as sci-fi for some reason. Exactly. That's my point. But they are technically, right? They definitely are. Not that I think about it, but I wouldn't classify it really in that genre. I don't know. The shots of the eclipse and the stuff as the sun setting looked really cool. Kind of yeah, Christopher that's... Nolan-esque, Interstellar-esque the with eclipse. the eclipse. The eclipse was sick visually too. Yeah, that I back that. The I think Aiden mentioned it earlier, but when they're traveling to the water tribe and they're like flying in the rain and there's a storm, that also just looks incredible. There, there's some beautiful shots, and then there you know there's some icky ones at, at different points. Um, and then another cool thing is that you know they shot this movie in New Zealand for the most part. They used the old Weta studios that you know Peter Jackson was using for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, shot in similar locations. Um, there's people in this that are New Zealanders like Jermaine Clement and Australian people, kind of a similar similar thing um, to like what George Lucas did. You know, he shot the first Phantom Menace in England, and there's a lot of like great English stage actors, and then he moved to Australia for the next one, and they need all these like australian tv and other actors to fill in so like a lot of you know the bit parts are you know people from those areas there's also almost like a pacific islander maori cultural aspect a little bit to the sea people which you know bringing in that you know type of world obviously the first movie was very indigenous adjacent at the very least um maybe we'll get into the bad with kind of some of the ways that it presents this later but um yeah that, that's mostly good stuff i have for this my last good thing, um, any scene where uh, Natiri is using her bow and arrow and shooting people is just awesome. Every single time that is just, that does it for me every single time. And we didn't, we really only got that at the beginning when they were initially like raiding the train, but those, that just gets me every single time. Yeah. Well, that actually I, goes to my, go ahead, Cody. No, I was going to say, I think Zoe Saldana was kind of underutilized in this movie because all of her scenes I love. And especially like her, I don't know if it's a connection, but kind of her rivalry with, with Stephen Lang. Because he knows that that she's the one who killed her. He, seeing those those arrows, obviously, with like the, the specific, uh, you know, uh, fucking feathers on it. I can't talk today. But, um, and then when she shows up later and Stephen Lang sees the arrow again, he's like, oh shit, Natiri's here. You know, I'm coming for you, whatever. Which I think is a really cool, just like personal vendetta against her. And, um, yeah, I think her screen time was, uh, you know, not the best. Honestly. I think if you put her in Jake Sully's role as like the actual linchpin of the family, I think this movie is better. Well, that's my first bad thing is that she just does Zoe Saldana, who I think, like you said, in the first one is really the only like recognizable in person that kind of person that transcends beyond just like being an avatar like she or being a Navi person like she kind of really, you know, she's a star in these movies. And she's so underutilized in this film and she's just not there. there. She barely gets any scenes and she's like doing the worst stuff in all of them. It's just like, oh, you get to show up here and be fucking mad at Spider. Or like, you know, I don't know. She's just never, she doesn't, you know, obviously this focuses more on the children, but it's like the children in Jake's relationship, not really the children in Natiri's relationship at all, which yeah. I think sucks. I feel like her her connection to Spider too, like, she pretty much hates that kid. She was willing to sacrifice that guy at the end of the movie. And that's not even touched on after that. Like they're all just, he just, Spider comes back and starts hugging Jake and everybody. Like there's no even scene where he's like, hey, were you really going to kill me, Nateri? Or they don't even miss <laughs> it or anything. So I wish like her character development was was more in the forefront as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the beginning, like before they're leaving for the like water tribe, when they haven't abandoned the forest people, there, I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a scene where they're 
she's kind of scolding Jake almost for how he's acting towards the children. And I liked, like, I thought that was cool that like exploring their dynamic a little bit more. And then we just don't get that again, like at all. Yeah. And I think, like you said, that she just kind of gets painted as the, as the bad guy, like towards Spider, the rest of the movie, and it's kind of just her whole role is just her against Spider and then her uh, against uh, Miles. Well, and then the whole thing is like, she doesn't want to leave her tribe, her family. Like that makes fucking sense, right? Like the place they've, first of all, Jake, they've built a family there for the past 13 years. This is happening in real time, right? So like you've had that growth connection happen. And she also, they're like the leaders of this clan. She's like the religious leader. Like this is an important thing for her. And he's just like, no, we have to leave. And if you ask me, I don't think they do need to leave. Uh, do you? not the right choice. Yeah, I, I think gonna, it's the wrong choice. <laughs> I was going to go into this much more at length later, but let's do it now because them leaving, I think it's a, it's a cop-out move. I mean, you know that you know they're going to be hunting you anyways because he knows. Set a trap. That was, that was after Stephen Lang showed up, right? So they already knew he was here. That's yeah. why they're running because they have Spider. Well, you know he's going to burn down every tribe he goes through that are not there. So you're just sacrificing all these other people on the planet just to you know supposedly protect your family but eventually like you're gonna fight them so if you're gonna leave you have to go into exile otherwise you are risking everybody's lives and you know that i think i guess this is kind of building off of that my biggest issue with them leaving was the whole reason that miles gets like cloned right when they clone them they say your mission is to kill the insurgency leader who happens to be jake Soli. okay fine Jake Soli then anoints someone else the leader of the insurgency and leaves. And then so the clones just give up trying to kill the insurgency leader for like no reason. Like that's the whole reason that they were cloned by the humans. And then what? they just have their personal vendettas. <laughs> and does that Jake... Takes- that is true. That is Obviously true. they don't, at least not on screen, they don't attack their tribe after they leave. But why would Jake assume that they their tribe is safe just because they leave what 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 Cor- what has Quaritch ever done backwards. <laughs> like, like if he leaves i if i am him they're defenseless I'm Jake, i am assuming exactly i'm like i'm just leaving these people out to die and yes no that just did not make any sense to me because i mean yeah their whole at the end of the day the human's mission is to basically just like exterminate all the navi people or at least like get them out of their homes because they want to take over the planet so like regardless of you stay or you go these people are going to get fucking murdered either way. So, And like, he does tie back to it. Like at the end, he says like, I'm tired of running. Like I'm here to fight. And I'm like, did it really take three hours of runtime for you to come to that conclusion? Cause I could have told you that within 20 minutes of the movie started. And why not just go, why are you now see people? Why not go back to your home? The people that you belong, like, why did you ever just, it, that's, there's no they're growth. Way, they're, they're way with the water now, Corbin. Did you watch the movie? Go on. <laughs> did you they listen to that? Well, their one kid gets in the water. The rest of them don't give a shit about the water. What do you mean? Sigourney Weaver is, you know, a fish. She's right, a natural yeah. fish, dude. Let's let's talk about that. Another bad thing. What the <laughs> fuck is going? Why do they put Sigourney Weaver as a baby child in this movie? She sounds like she's about forty years old in like a ten year old body. <laughs> like the voice. She didn't even try to do a different voice. <laughs> it's just Sigourney Weaver. I don't know. This gets into the, the story things that I just don't really like. So I got for, Sigourney Weaver as 
coming back as her own kid, obviously just like a dumb thing that they do. The whole evil twin, Korich, yes, that's stupid. Um, particularly the scene when he wakes up and you get Giovanni Rabisi here and oh. he's talking to the alive Korich and he's like, hey, don't you know what you're supposed to do? Remind him how this works. And it's like, you're talking to the audience and it, it's just like, so, why would he not know how this works? He's He has the memories of Lang. Do, he remembers... This gets into the whole question about clone ethics and like existentialism and, you know, go back to our prestige pod if you really want to get into it. But, you know, why doesn't he have these memories? Why does he have an eagle tattoo on his avatar <laughs> body? There's just so many unanswered questions. Why is his crew just the most basic military idiots of all time? <laughs> oh, my God. They're, they're caricatures. The they're lifting the weights. Yeah. <laughs> the they're fist bumping <laughs> when they announce that they're, Yeah. <laughs> The, sun the sunglasses kill me every time it looks terrible too like it doesn't even look like a cool design but uh yeah that that's the biggest like gate for me just that scene reintroducing lang it's like like it's fun but it's so stupid so i don't really like that so cringy yeah, is he I, is he low-key the main character of this movie no nah, it's gotta be jake Sully. how many times is the words jake Sully said in this movie it's gotta be over 100 <laughs> hey you know what they do say they say avatar a lot more in this movie yeah that's true. No avatars allowed, or only avatars. Also, like the the cool Four fingers. Yeah, that's true. they really care about fingers in this movie too. But uh, the cool scientist crew from from the first one, they're not even in it. They're in it for like ten minutes. I wish they would have showed up at the end or something, because I feel like most of those characters from the first like are actually pretty likable. Like that, oh, they should have brought back Michelle Rodriguez as well. But uh, yeah, I think there were a lot of pieces from the first that. Like you probably could have even carried over more. But anyway, the only the only time that the Norm and the other dude show up beyond the beginning of the movie is in the second or in the third act to then give, give away the away. position. Yeah. So <laughs> that that's why they're there for fucking dumb. They try to save Kiri. Yeah. Why did they? Why would they just? They say, "Hey, you have epilepsy," and then <laughs> Kaylin's character just heals her well what why would they think that she has that like why i just don't she connected to the fucking god and she had a seizure like i don't know what do you expect to happen also, <laughs> also why wouldn't they ask like the water people for help first instead of calling these people from across the planet how do they get there before the water people showed up well, isn't and natiri's like a healer too but i don't maybe she said i don't give a shit about this kid <laughs> not my kid I don't care. <laughs> Anyways, though, some of my other negatives, I want to throw them out there. Obviously, you know, this is a long movie. We said that already. But it does kind of take, like, two hours just to get to a big fight, which um, is kind of tough. I wish they had one, like, at the beginning, actually, uh, like the, the forest people versus... Uh, well, there's land. the train bombing. That's, like, the best you get. Yeah, and they, ca they kidnap the kids briefly. That's a decent scene, too, but I would have rather seen, like, a massive fight in the beginning and then a massive one at the end. Well, I guess that's just a nitpick. Also, I mean, we talked about... <laughs> do we need to talk about the brothers more? I don't know. I can't tell them apart. They have uh, different necklaces, Cody. They do, but the, I feel like they are they have the same voice, which makes sense because they're brothers, but I can't tell them apart, and uh, the death didn't affect me at all. I don't know if I have no heart, or that's just me. But lastly, I wanted to talk about... We haven't talked about Ex Machina in a while, Corbin. And um, this movie, it's another ripoff. It rips off Jurassic World. 
with a giant whale ex machina jurassic world yeah you're right and jurassic park i said jurassic world didn't I? right yeah you did i'm sorry yeah. well jurassic park does it too you're, you are correct there. jurassic world rips off jurassic park yeah if old, the jurassic world one is the massive uh shamu uh fish coming out and smacking the the one guy this one it's the massive whale coming out of nowhere and just uh body slamming on the boat <laughs> cool scene but you're still ripping off Jurassic World, so I gotta call you out for it. Yeah, I mean, shout out to that. The uh, the match cut of the Quaritch being his dad reveal between Spider, yeah, because they don't even tell you, but it's just like, oh, you're not him, says Sigourney Weaver, and then we just hard cut to Quaritch on the ship. Which also in the first movie, do avatars have to have like air packs? That that seems like a new thing, a weird new addition. Well, I think it was just when they were. On the human planet. Well, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Talk about Spider. Uh, do you guys know why Stephen Lang cared about Spider at the end of the movie? Because I'm kind of confused on that. Why Stephen Lang? I mean, because it's his kid? Yeah, but he he said it like five times. Like, it's not actually his kid. Well, it is, though. I mean. <laughs> I think it's the same thing. Like, why does he, why does Stephen Lang's character care so much about killing Jake Soli? Aside from the fact that it's just like his clone's vendetta. He's right? emotional. It's just, it's just, yeah, so it's his clone's kid. It's his clone's oh, vendetta. Yes. Like, yeah, that's a good point. I agree. I, I don't buy it. I think. He's also a cold-hearted killer, so I don't know why he cares about some some kid with some white kid with dreads, but that's just me. <laughs> any uh, any last bad things before we move on to ugly? Oh, yeah. I have my, my worst thing. I typed this in all caps when I was getting ready. So the final the final fight scene. Where the hell does the ocean tribe go? <laughs> so the initially, right, they come in and they're all riding their like sea creatures, and there's this giant just pack of the ocean tribe, and it's cool. And they fight and they kind of win. But the humans still have um the daughters. Kids, yeah. And then we just don't see them again for the rest of the movie. Like there's this giant army. And instead, it's just the Sully's fighting like five v infinite number of humans. Like, where did they go? That's what I wanted. Like, were they just done? They could have been pretty useful um, when they're all trapped underwater too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, you think? I, I'm just like they like fought half of the battle and then just kind of gave up. They said, hey, tired, all, all of our people are good. We're getting the heck out. <laughs> but they still have the daughter. <laughs> they don't care i was so confused as soon as like as soon as the fight as soon as like everything's crumbling down in fire i'm like where are the hundreds and hundreds of people that are directly related to someone who's dying in this uh, it's very very confusing to me i don't know if he just they just didn't think about that or what but that was just baffling to me <laughs> that, yeah, yeah that's a really good point they do just disappear in the final <laughs> They're just I didn't gone. About that. that's a great point they just don't care. Well, that was that was my last big thing. <laughs> last thing, I, I think the first hour of this movie is pretty unbearable to watch. Like it is really <laughs> bad. <laughs> like I know there's a lot they got to cover. It's been 13 years. We got to catch you up. We got to address the fact that avatars have four fingers now. But like, it's just it's bad. The first hour is bad. It picks up, but man. All right, the ugly. All right, um, Cody, what do you think? What's ugly about this movie? Yeah, I got, I got, well, I, I had originally the last fight looks pretty video gamey, but we talked about that already. My big one, which which I think is pretty funny, um, 
So obviously the whole Sigourney Weaver thing is pretty weird. And her character and Spider, mm. they're getting a little chummy for my liking. So my question <laughs> is, in the next movie, is a 50-year-old Sigourney Weaver going to be like making out with a spider kid? Because um, I really don't want to see that. So that, that's my big idea. The actor who plays Spider currently is 19 years old, meaning Jack something. What's his name? When they filmed this, he was not. Jack Champion. Champion, that's what it is, yeah. Great so, last name. Well, give it a couple years. I guess he'll be he'll be like 20 something. I think so, he was cast when he was like 13 or 14. Yeah. Like he's been around. It's it is well, weird. Haven't they already haven't they already filmed the third one? They filmed the second one, or yeah, sorry, they filmed the third one. And then they've like filmed parts of the fourth one already. Oh, really? So he only could have been like 17 or 18. Well, the, and well, the whole reason James Cameron said he wanted to film these movies in succession was so that he didn't grow up so that the kids stayed the same age was this whole thing, which so also he, they've he already looks out. a little old, but yeah, <laughs> they've already kissed. Them. We're just waiting to see it on screen. It's happened. CGI Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, no, I, I mean, this was 100% my ugly as well. Why is, <laughs> why is Sigourney feeling up that child is what I wrote down. Like, it's just, it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> so, anyway, Aiden, what's your ugly? <laughs> I didn't really, I don't know. I had trouble coming up with something for this one. I guess I didn't even think about that. But that is really creepy. <laughs> Can't wait to see where James Cameron goes in the third movie. I'm sure that'll be, that'll be the first thing I watch out for. I guess my ugly the random like researcher who was on the whaling ship who like had like a couple lines where he's like trying to be like very played by Jermaine champion yes i think i wrote it as ian dr ian garvin and he's like kind of saying how wrong this is but then he's like oh they fund my research so i just have to go along with this i'm like isn't your research kind of like just like directly contradicting everything that's happening I guess that was just like an ugly like morality thing for me. Like and maybe just not even necessary to be in the movie considering he didn't end up doing anything with that. Well, you know, that's the thing is I actually I I agree 100%. I don't like that character and the way they use them. I think it would be a interesting idea f- to have in the movie because, you know, scientific research has to be funded, right? And like there's a cool conversation to be had about, you know, the horrors of this, you know, the ho- you know, certain the ex- you know, the expenses you have to take for positive you know change right so like his character could be interesting of like you know i have to deal with this whole whaling thing so i can do my research so i can learn more if he has any sort of turn or moment of redemption or anything but he just again disappears from the plot and from the story and i don't know if he dies or like i don't know what happened but there's just nothing there is no resolution to that storyline and it kind of builds like there might be yeah, I was fully expecting him to, when they're shooting, when he's loading the harpoons and shooting the whales in the big fight scene, uh, the whaling captain, like I'm fully expecting him to go and like throw him off the ship or just something little like that. And then there's just like, he just dies with the rest of them. Yeah, really dumb. You know, obviously in the first movie, James Cameron was criticized for, you know, his, this being like a white savior story, a white interloper story, you know, kind of oldest time right it's pinocchio remade or not Pinocchio. it's pocahontas remade right (laughs) but i can't get pinocchio (laughs) off the mind but an interesting thing he did in that movie was that the navi were all primarily played by you know bipoc people this movie does not follow with that i don't know do you guys i guess i don't really know if i 
should have any feelings about this, but I think it's an interesting choice and something that should at least be brought up and thought about in, in the context of it all. You know, he, he made a very distinct decision in the first movie to do that. Not as much in this one. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, his excuse would probably be like, oh, the, the water tribe is, is different from the forest tribe, which I don't know if that's legit. But yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. I, I think you could have stuck to your guns if, if you do that for the first one and, and include that diversity aspect. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's Jimmy Cameron at the end of the day, so it's not super surprising, but it is kind of tough. Yeah, I think it just kind of makes the first one seem like it was just like a platitude. Like, because obviously, like, you can't really tell unless you're like going and looking at the cast list, right? Who were playing the Navi. But the fact that he did it for the first one and then kind of like, I don't know, made a big deal out of it, but it was definitely well known that that was happening. And then in this one, there just wasn't really anything mentioned about it. Just kind of makes that, I think, less meaningful from the first movie. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't even necessarily know if it was a good thing that he like did that in the first movie or that like that was the choice he made but like the fact that he like then pivots it's just interesting oh i have one and i just thought of it just because you were talking about this and i don't even know if this was anything it just kind of was a scene that made me raise my eyebrows a little bit and just kind of look around if anyone else was kind of thinking at the very beginning they're like rubbing blue paint on spider's face (laughs) and then he says i feel like it makes me faster <laughs> and just to hear that from oh it just like made me raise my eyebrows spider was like, in blue face yeah it was really strange but it wasn't just that but then the i mean it's dreads after, too yeah i was like um okay i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut yeah no that's that that is a questionable thing and it's it's kind of a when you when you think about it in the context of the context <laughs> that james cameron put it in in the first movie um it definitely becomes more questionable weird character all in all spider spider um they also something that i don't really like that they removed from this movie is in the first is they you know whenever they kill a creature that they're hunting they always do their whole like prayer thing and it's you know connected to the natural world and everything matters and and yes like it's clear spider's been raised with those values because he's like oh you only use the brain juice you don't use the whole whale ah but like there's the sheet, the scene, the fishing scene, and they kill the fish in the pond and they kill, they hunt these animals and they just have like, they've given up on their, their religious aspect, or at least they're like, you know, prayers after their killing of the animals. I think that's a little strange. Yeah, that is true. Continuity, not Jimmy's best suit, I'd say. But dude, that was a great family moment. What are you talking about, Corbin? They can't focus on spiritual stuff when they're focused on the family. So, it's I mean, to some people, spirituality is, you know, an important cornerstone of every family in america don't you know (laughs) well said (laughs) uh let's move on to weird movie details trivia um my question i do actually i I threw one out there because i'm just curious do you guys uh do you know what the whales are actually called Uh, no something with a b maybe i got i have no guesses like a beluga Beluga? What'd you say, Garvin? Tolkoon. Tolkoon. Hmm. Uh, I think I do remember that. I would have never guessed that in a million years. That's not that's not my real trivia. Uh, but go ahead, Cody. What's what's your first question? Okay. Yeah, my question is a, is a fun one, and you guys can work together on it. Uh, pretty simple. I, I just want you to name me Jake Sully and Natiri's five children. Could you just name them for me? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> 
so if we're thought we're so we're including spider yeah so spider's in spider took is the girl yep yep took kiri what about the what about the brothers what are their names one of them one of them is like lok lok yeah i I don't know which one something like that okay and i can't tell you that one (laughs) i believe lok's the younger brother i think right i don't know if there were subtitles i would have known but there wasn't so no papyrus guesses for the other brother corbin i got nothing man (laughs) i guess a letter N. I think if I guess it'll yeah, I'm not gonna guess. Natayam? Something like that. N-E-T-E-Y-A-M. Natayam, maybe. I don't know. But uh yeah, I I think the daughters are like I even remembered their names, but the brothers, uh, I just got lost. So I thought that was a fun one to challenge you guys. That that was a tough one, Cody. Uh Aiden, what do you got for us? All right, I got a good one. So this is uh this is a little bit of Trivia and math. How many vials of the whale sperm they do? They put a price point on it. How many vials of the whale sperm anti aging cream would it take to finance this movie? Oh shit! Cody, okay. uh, do you know the uh, the amount of money that those are worth? Worth of it mm. is eighty million dollars um, for the vial. Oh, it's 80 million. You actually know that? The vial is 80 million. The budget of the movie. How do you know that? Like <laughs> the budget, he said it had to be. I mean, it, he said uh, this had to be like the second highest grossing movie of all time, like $1.4 billion, I think. So I guess the budget's like 400. How many times does 80 go into 1.4 million? You know, 1.4 million. I think five whales will do the trick. That's my guess. Uh, if we're going up to 1.4 billion, it's like 16 or 17 or something that's like the, that. You think that's the budget of the movie? Yes. A billion dollars to make this movie? How much do you have to make back to not lose money? Like five billion? <laughs> With all the oh, just a, a you know over the budget. What are you talking about? What about right? what about all the advertising? No, I'm uh, including that. I think in the 1.4 billion, but okay. What's your number? Then? I'm gonna say. Uh, 18. <laughs> All right. So I don't, I guess there's maybe there's conflicting reports about how much this movie costs to make. Cause when I just did a Google search, it said 250 million and that it was 1 billion to make all four of them. Yeah. Okay. But then okay. there's other things that say up to 460 million. My main thing was when, if you knew how much the vial of anti aging cream costs. <laughs> and that was good, Corbin. Thank you. Yeah. yeah well, there's no way it takes a billion dollars to make this movie. Go. The thing that James Cameron said <laughs> is he said this movie to be profitable will have to be like the second highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Just because they filmed back to back too, I think. Just to like yeah. solidify the sequel is going to do pretty good too. Kind of that sort of thing. Exactly. So you know, total money spent. Yeah, it's up there. You know, it's probably like. And I, they're also I, whenever they put out the budget, like that's not a yeah legal figure that they have to like it's, tell you not disney's correct. not going to tell you how much they spent <laughs> whatever's online is definitely not correct a, a quick google search for me says 250 mil so it's probably like 350 realistically and then with advertising and all that crap it's probably like 500 600 but yeah i mean it's a lot of money regardless but a lot of whales a lot of whale sperm <laughs> speaking of money 
let's talk about the uh the highest grossing movies of 2022 we're just gonna go from uh one to maybe like 15 see if you guys can can work through them i'll give you hints as we go so uh, what's number one with 1.92 billion dollars at the time of recording avatar 2 thank you jesus guys come on that was the easy one all right number two (laughs) with 1.4 billion dollars what else dr strange no this is a oh top gun you're gonna top gun 2 top gun maverick (laughs) number three with one billion dollars uh, sequel to a movie you mentioned earlier that this one uh, rips its ending off of. Titanic 2. Uh, what did I mention? Oh, was, was there a Star Wars movie this year? No. Was there a Fast and Furious movie this year? No, no, no. The specific, the do, the Ex Machina scene. A Jurassic World Dominion's third? One billion dollars. Number four. Who Marvel film. Uh, Doctor Strange. $955 million, Doctor Strange. Number five, $939 million, an animated hit. Oh, Puss in Boots, there you go. An like animated a- phenomenon on TikTok. <laughs> Gentle. I have, I have seen most of the movie on TikTok, I'm not going to lie. I don't even need to pay a ticket, I just have TikTok. Cody, Gentle blank. Mm, what does that mean? Yeet song. <laughs> Are you speaking English? <laughs> rich, <laughs> rich minion, Cody. Rich minion, despicable me. Minions, the rise of Gru, number six, another oh Marvel God. movie. <laughs> Thor, different Marvel movie. How many did they fucking release this year? Um, came out in like January. I don't fucking know. <sighs> Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Oh, I oh, haven't seen man. it still. I'm sorry. Black Panther 2. Waiting for the Disney Plus release, I think. Uh, number seven. The year of DC. Black Adam. God, no. <laughs> that movie lost money. Um, <laughs> no, dude, I'm too tired to be doing this right the now. Batman. Oh, yeah. The Batman. Number eight. Marvel's back with the last one. Yeah, Thor. Thor. Okay. Number nine is, I believe, a Chinese film called Watergate Bridge. Number 10 is a Chinese film called Moon Man. Number 11, J.K. Rowling's Child. Fantastic Beast 3. Yes. Number 12, animated sequel. Oh, man. Uh, oh, Lightyear? No. Is it? Animated sequel starring Idris Elba, James Marsden, and... Jim Carrey. Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic 2. Number 13, video game adaptation. Aiden, you're a video gamer. What is it? Uncharted. Uncharted. Number 14, changing the power of the DC universe forever. There you go. Black Adam. And finally, at 15, future best picture winner. Potter. The man who has yet to get out of his role since filming it four years ago. Uh, fucking oh man, I hate that guy, Elvis. Elvis, wow, Austin Cody, Butler that was fucking bad, Oscar. dude. God, I hate Austin Butler. Yeah, that was a nice little segment there, Corbin. I think we got about half of them. That's pretty good. You got to start Pass. studying about half of them. the old box Pass. office there, Cody. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I, you know, I knew the Marvel ones at least. 
other than Black Panther. But let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Welcome to the Academy. This, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Come on, this is not a joke. Cody, what would you like to award this film? I have two, I think, elite, elite awards. Uh, I'll start off the first one. And I truly, truly believe this. I think this is the best Sam Worthington movie of all time. Uh, in, our, in our last episode, we were rigging on him a lot harder, very deservedly so. And uh, just to, to read off his IMDb quickly one more time, we got Man on a Ledge, just hot garbage, Clash of the Titans, somehow even worse, Terminator 4, the movie that killed Christian Bale almost mentally. <laughs> and then he's also in the first Avatar. But I already said I like this movie better than the first. So I think no doubt this has to be, by default almost, the best Sam Worthington movie. But yeah, what do you guys think? you think that's true or, or no? Um... I like the first Avatar better, so no, I don't think it's true. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, I think it's just between the two <laughs> Avatars, right? Clash of the That's Titans, so underrated? No, no, no. <laughs> Isn't he in the is he in the first one or is he just in the sequel? I think he's in both, but okay. I mean, does it matter? I mean, they're both god awful. I think Wrath is uh, a little bit worse, but he's also in Call of Duty. Like all the Call of Duty games, that's where people really love him. He's also in Hacksaw Ridge, Cody. Is that a better movie? That's, Probably. I, I haven't seen that movie, and I assume he has a tiny role, so I, I just left it out. <laughs> uh, I would like to give this movie the award for uh, the Oscar for Best Visual Effects. I think that's, I'm taking a stand. This movie has good effects. I think it, what do you guys think? Should it get nominated? Maybe. I, I don't I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, it, it probably has a chance. They have some effects, but not too I much. think it squeaks in at like five. Well, actually, I don't even know if they usually do five, so... Um, I, I hope for, for Jim's sake that he gets his best VFX nom. Nothing else, though, please. Also, want to give this... I, I, think, I think this movie will probably win best cinematography, too. I bet it'll win both. It's not going to win. I bet it will. How much will it um, <laughs> I, I'm Well, okay, I'll, you're the, you're the I'll take the $20 bucks. that I get when The Women King doesn't get nominated for anything, and I'll double that, and you can give me 40 when Avatar <laughs> doesn't win Best Cinematography. Deal? Okay, you're just going to owe me 40 bucks now. Appreciate it. Yeah, okay. I would like to also give this movie the award. Uh, well, I'd like to give James Cameron the award uh, for Worst Dad because he's Jake Sully, and Jake Sully's a bad dad, so they both get the Worst Dad award. <laughs> the two for one. James Cameron, Jake Sully. Wow. I like that. That's pretty good. Uh, Gordon, building off yours, um, I wanted to give this award the last Jedi Memorial Award for the most consecutive minutes in a movie where nothing happens. <laughs> so like the middle hour and a half, just huge, same vibe. Nothing really happens. They're just sitting on the ship. Nothing really happens. They're just sitting on the island. That's a great award. Just for bashing The Last Jedi, that might be the best Academy Award <laughs> I've ever handed out. <laughs> so props there. Uh, Mara, the one, I think this is probably the worst James Cameron sequel with an asterisk next to it. He has done sequels very well in the past. Uh, Terminator 2, which is a hell of a film. Go check out our pod on that one. And also Aliens, um, which is a phenomenal action, like turning away a little bit from horror, which is awesome. Uh, but one of his first movies actually was Piranha 2. I don't know if you guys are, are aware of that film. It is pretty bad, but I'm, I'm going to rank Avatar 2 below it still. T2, we've obviously talked about on the pod. James Cameron coming up with uh, three pod episodes, sneaky into the, that top list up there. But for me, 
I would definitely say this is easily the worst one because I don't like this movie that much. So, um, <laughs> but you know, interesting Terminator Two. You know, he kind of turns those characters on their head a little bit. You see Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's the villain in the first movie, kind of be the hero in the second one. Will we ever get a a Quaritch turn like that? Do you think later? I think we could get a Spider turn maybe, but I don't I don't know if we'll get a Quaritch. It's not. Really I feel a like. Turn. They- I, could, I think I could definitely that see that. Funny. I think that's kind of, maybe that's why they saved him. Like, he should have died. And the fact that Spider went back and saved him, and the fact that he, like, caught on pretty quickly with the Navi people when they were, when Spider was, like, training them how to, like, be Navi, um, that would not surprise me at all. Yeah. Avatar 5, Spider versus, you know, the seven tribes that we've met. That guy's leading the charge against them. Oh, dreads and all. Uh, it's happening. Let's move over to Invite Fight Night. I dump thee. Sir William. All right. Inviting on the pod. I'll go first. And I think the obvious choice, you know, in the last episode, I, I picked Awe. And, you know, she doesn't, you know, make as many appearances in this flick. Uh, more oh. Sigourney Weaver than anything, um, which I don't appreciate. But I'm going to go with another a creature of sorts, another being. And that's uh, Pyakon, the Tukun, the uh, the one with the, the broken fin. Uh, clearly oh. has some good stories to tell. I want to hear all about this battle. Yes, the whale, Cody. <laughs> the, 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 the coolest part of this movie, the, the whales. Yeah, I think there's a good story there. I'm, I'm curious to, you know, hear about their exile and, you know, their decision to to kill and you know what their feelings on that are and you know what do they regret those decisions i mean clearly not as they you know feel that it's best to fight for the ones you love than than you know die like you said be smarter than you i'm just gonna let you kill me no that guy's got a great story too i didn't even think about him so that's a great pick and also you could have like the cool whale translation as well that'd be a, that'd be a fun episode uh my pick funny enough i'm gonna pick spider um, I think he probably has the best story to tell here. He kind of knows both sides. I mean, he's in with the Sully family. And um, also, he spent a bunch of time with Stephen Lang as well. So he kind of knows everything that was going on in the story. He kind of has the most insight out of anybody in this movie. So I feel like he'd have tons of awesome stories about him growing up. Um, he could talk about, you know, what his decision was with the dreads, too. That would finally come out. But, <laughs> That's um... really why you want to talk to him. <laughs> That's the first question I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, Spider. Why not? I think it'd be a good good guy to have on. I want to make sure I pronounce this. Tonawari, the leader of the um, water, the Cliff Curtis character. I thought kind of similar to what we talked about with Tiri, where it kind of just stepped back. Like he was pretty prevalent at the beginning, but then kind of didn't get a whole lot of him in the second half of the movie. And I feel like just like their whole history and everything kind of just didn't get touched on as much as. I would have liked so. Yeah, would you say you want to know good. more about the the way of water? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the water does connect everything. That's what if I. If you didn't know that, let's move on to a fight here. I gotta go, Jake Sully, uh, for just some terrible decision making. You know, obviously he's trying to do what's best for his family, but as we discussed earlier, just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense screwing over a lot of other people in the process um so yeah i definitely think jake sully he he needs some sense knocked into him obviously i, I would probably lose because you know he's he's basically jesus but and then also the scientist that we have 
previously talked about being bad he he's also just like a, a nothing character that you, like one half of a scene like this movie's already three hours and 12 minutes you can't give me the like half a scene where he gets some sort of redemption or even like a or maybe even not redemption like maybe Look you that. see him die painfully uh, I, I don't know just like there's something there needs to be something more to resolve that so those are my my two for one fight yeah i back both of those and um as i uh foreshadowed earlier jake Sully is also my pick for this um mostly for his decision to just ditch his clan in my notes i did call him a pussy so i'll throw that into like what, what are you doing bro you're literally the leader of this uh this entire clan all of a sudden you kind of like forced yourself in that role as well uh, you know mating with natiri in the first one which probably shouldn't have done that either but then you're just gonna say screw it you know he's a changed man he's a, he's a changed family man uh, i don't buy it I, I think he's just scared and he wanted to run away so also i don't think did anybody really get a good lick on this guy like he's got a super punchful face sam worthington and mocap and i don't know if anybody even landed one on him so i'd like to be the first to do that too he was Taruk Makto, dude. He was the he was the rider of the shadow. He he, you got the ban- big banshee. Dude's a badass, apparently. Where, where's but where's the big also a scaredy cat? The, the big banshee should have come came back at the end. I, think. I imagine but, it died. I don't know. Like maybe they have a short life. I, otherwise, why is it not around? That is a good question. Who do you want to fight, Aiden? Um, I with the same one as you, Corbin. Just that doctor, that this researcher that we talked about for the same reasons, right? Like you had touched on. Makes sense. You got to do what you got to do in that line of work but have some like balls i guess you know stand up for what you're believing in i guess do something or just you know don't speak in the movie those are your <laughs> options yeah have some morality think, or just like have zero morality don't be so wishy-washy about it he's probably also the only one i could take in a fight considering all of these people are like yeah. 11 10 feet tall, tall. <laughs> yeah you're smart to pick a human yeah that's a good point <laughs> We're all screwed. <laughs> Me and Corbin are both dying trying to just get a punch on Jake Sully. So, yeah. smart. And then finally, uh, I would like to knight Pyakon the whale as well because, wow. like you said, it's the ex machina. It's really the savior of the movie. Without the whale hopping up aboard and, and kind of just flopping about, they really would have probably lost, if we're being honest. So definitely deserving of all the praise. And, and especially considering, you know, in their religion and their morals, it's bad to kill. Obviously, this creature had already broken that, but you know, it was probably hard again to make that decision and make that sacrifice and to continue to, you know, go against what's in its nature. Yeah, that's a big act for him. And also him like uh, deflecting the harpoon. Absolutely sick. Badass. Like this guy's this guy's a baller. So I back it. Um, I'm gonna knight Kate Winslet's character. Do you know her character the character name off the top of your head, Corbin? Because I can't pronounce it. No. <laughs> well, she's Ronile? getting. Yeah, I think that's it. Anywho, I think she's a complete badass. And uh, the specific uh, thing I want to knight her for, I mean, she's like, what, seven, eight months pregnant? And she's going out to fight. Uh, even her husband uh, is like, you know, is a smart, like, you know, you got a baby almost here. She's like, I don't, I don't care. I'm going regardless. Like, they're coming after the whales. They're coming after me. So I want to knight her. I, I think she's by far the most badass character in this movie kind of a contrast to how jake Sully acted yeah exactly oh uh, the one i'm gonna night i'm gonna night natiri just because like we talked about earlier like what happened like you need a friend i i'm worried about you like you just kind of dropped off 
I don't think it's necessarily uh, Zoe Salon's fault, but just wasn't as featured as in the first one. I would say we picked like the three people that don't suck in this movie, which is <laughs> which is good. I mean, yeah. Let's move over to the recast. Bond. James Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. So there's one person that really stands out in the first act of this movie, and uh, it's Edie Falco of uh, the Sopranos fame, I guess primarily is what I would know her from. Uh, she plays the the general that's just like there on earth, just kind of a weird role, weird casting. Um, I saw an interview that she did where she said that she shot this like four or five years ago and just assumed it came out. She had no <laughs> and, idea and, that it, it never, the, cause she never heard anything about it. And she was just like, I assumed it came out and it did really bad. And apparently now it is coming out. And uh, yeah, I, I think she needs to be recast is is my main first point i think the obvious choice and it's probably too on the nose for for modern audience would be like a viola davis kind of doing her like dc suicide squad thing i think that makes sense um and then you know i guess if we if we want to steal somebody from star wars i think laura dern last jedi um turn that up a notch she could be a good person in this role but it's a hard role to cast for sure but e falco i i just don't get it it's just kind of shocking for me yeah. Is Laura Dern going to have purple hair or are we leaving that in The Last Jedi? No, she will not have purple hair, Cody. Sad. Aiden, give me your recast. Alright, so I had I had two. They're both probably not. You guys probably won't love them. Um, the first one, <laughs> I have Spider. Spider getting recasted. Um, I think Spider either needs to be like we've been kind of touching around the subject. Spider either needs to be like african-american or he needs to be the one i wrote down was uh taylor lautner from shark boy and lava girl so if we could just go back and grab him That's from a great pick. Shark, like time machine put him in i just think fits that fearsome like run around acting like a savage kind of character uh but as far as like the potential like the potential blackface and the dreads maybe not a white character with dreadlocks and yeah That's awesome. taylor lautner that's brilliant Clip that. Put that on TikTok. Inspired stuff, and uh, <laughs> sad we'll never get to see it. You know Taylor Lautner, I think, is like married to somebody whose name is Taylor Lautner? Well, I think he was dating Taylor Swift, and if they got married, then they both would have been named. No, I'm pretty sure his uh, fiance's name is Taylor. Or, that? Uh, yeah, so, his spouse is Taylor Dome, so now she's Taylor Lautner, if she took her name. So they're both Taylor Lautner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, my recast, you know, in hindsight, put that on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good too, actually. Just that's an entire clip right there. It's a good one. Uh, this is probably a little insensitive in hindsight, but my main my main uh, point in this is we need bigger name recognition, uh, to get more money for the environment. James Cameron, there are not enough Hollywood actors in this movie, and specifically in their family. I know somebody who likes the environment, Cody. Who's that? Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, that's true. I mean, he mentioned it in his Oscar speech, and uh, hey, maybe he could be like the, the next big bad for the next five movies. I, I'd 100% be down for that. You know he likes working with, with Jimmy as well. So uh, let's start that uh, petition right away. But anyways, I, I just want the kids recast, basically, mostly because I don't like Sigourney Weaver in that role. 
and mostly because I just want more actors to make fun of. So uh, these are my rough casts. Uh, the, the brothers, I wanted Timmy Chalamet and Tom Holland. <laughs> and then the sisters, I wanted Haley Steinfeld for the older one. And then the younger one, Daphne Keene, uh, the, the girl from Logan. I think all phenomenal actors and actresses there. Obviously, Haley Steinfeld, not the best in Ender's Game, but she's really come around. So, uh, yeah, just give me more big big brand actors, honestly. So you want them to be played like by 28-year-olds? Well, it's better than a 40-year-old, so why not? <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> in, in the Sigourney case, but otherwise, <laughs> like the rest of them are all kids. Yeah, but Tom Holland, what, he's playing like an 18-year-old in the MCU and everybody buys it. What's what's the big deal? Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Terrible picks, Cody. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I agree. I like Taylor Lautner. I'll throw Taylor Lautner in mine too. So I'll just that for This isn't really a recast, but it it's you know we've talked a lot. We made jokes about James Cameron, but like I really wish he would make another movie that wasn't Avatar, right? Like, let's recast him into a different franchise. <laughs> um, maybe he. I mean, like seeing the stuff he did with the spaceship makes me yes it'd be cool to see him do a star wars movie but beyond that like do another terminator movie do another alien movie like something more sci-fi like go back to those roots if you're gonna stay in like the franchise world otherwise you could create your own original story that's pure space you know something more you know kind of interstellar-esque like i think that stuff is cooler in visual style and to me obviously he's just not really as interested in that so yeah i'd be down for him to do like an interstellar sequel or something like that that'd be interesting also but, predator on pandora crossover there's yeah, a pitch for you that i actually just, let's just merge those two franchises predator and and uh avatar i'm here for that 100 any other recasts uh but... well sadly we've reached the end of the road and it's time for our rating out of 69 cody you like it better than the first one so i'm sure it's going to be higher what, what do you want to give this avatar to you gave uh 53 to the first avatar I'm taking the words right out of my mouth yeah so first one i gave 53 out of 69 you know pre pretty respectable score i feel like for avatar probably probably could have been a little bit lower uh so for this one i'm just gonna go one point higher a 54 out of 69 keeping the bar you know pretty similar i'm sure we'll do avatar 3 when it comes out and maybe I'll get a 55, maybe I'll get a 52, but it's going to be in this general range, I guess. But yeah, 54 out of 69 for me. For me, I like this one a little bit less. I was at a 47. I'm going to drop it down to a 44. Ooh. I think this movie is snugly fit between uh, the great Napoleon or the great Nicolas Cage film, uh, National Treasure, yeah. and the not so great Andrew Garfield film, The Amazing Spider Man 2. So it's snugly in between those two movies. I like both those movies. So. Well, <laughs> one's better than the other. <laughs> and hey, Avatar's right in the middle. Out of 69 or what? What's your rating, bud? 44. So I had I have two ratings. I have one. If you're seeing it in 3D and IMAX in theaters, I'm going to give it a 55. But if you're watching your couch at home, I'm going to give it a 50. What about... I'm kind of in Cody's boat where it's, it is what it is. Avatar, the franchise... I think especially after this one, I think they're all going to be pretty similar. I don't think they're going to be bad. They're going to be fun to watch, especially in theaters. They're going to be fun to talk about, but they're not incredible. I'm not as attached to this movie as I was Interstellar. 
and thankfully you guys did not move ruin one of my favorite movies like in the last episode what did you uh what would you rate it on unnamed bootleg website <laughs> uh on your laptop yeah 17 oh wow big 17 job. the audio was the worst part the sound <laughs> effects were so much louder than the, the, the uh, dialogue and you really just couldn't really make out what they were saying just like interstellar yeah mix they mix the bootleg wrong that's tough um i guess we can use this as a chance is there anything you guys want to see in a sequel or any expectations for these future movies because the thing is like we are gonna get this one like we're gonna get avatar 3 and it's probably gonna be in the next two years so you know now that we know it's gonna happen what do you what do you want to happen what do you hope to see i want to see i want to see spiders single-handedly take on the fire people i want to see him jump like dive directly so you want him to be bad yeah, 100%. I want him to like swan dive into a volcano <laughs> and just fight all of the fire people <laughs> underwater in lava. That's what I want to see. All right. Well, that's a lot to live up to, Aiden. <laughs> I was thinking about this. So James Cameron had said that he is, I don't know, is that confirmed that he's doing the fire people or was that just uh, like... He, he mentioned that there was like a fire-based tribe. Like, So if we're speculating that there's a fire-based tribe that are maybe like the bad side of naive people i'd love to see miles maybe like team up with them like because you could see him start to get more acclimated to the culture of actually being a navi person and maybe the end of this he's kind of done fighting the humans battles and he goes off and tries to do his own thing with the fire people and then he still gets to fight jake Sully, so it'll still work out that's actually pretty good get this guy in the writer's room my god james (laughs) big bucks for that story I there's been some rumors and speculation that like the fourth or fifth movie will like make a return to Earth or some shit. I do not want to see that. I I don't think that needs to happen in this film series. Again, if if James Cameron wants to do that and make that movie, make a different movie. Let's keep Avatar and Pandora. Um, but otherwise, fire people, sure, whatever. Air people, yeah, whatever. Why not? But I want some some mud people. Some swamp people. That's what I want to see. Like riding gators and shit. <laughs> Interesting. Like earthbending, one might say. If Toph's like, there, I'll one could that. say it. Yeah, maybe like a blind character that's yeah. like a little girl. Badass little girl. So he's talking shit. That'd be cool. Great ideas all around. Let, let's throw it over to uh, defeat the watch list. Watch me. Watch me. Ooh, watch me. Watch me. Um. So. All the way back in our last Avatar episode, I was tasked with watching the movie Heat, which uh, is also two hours and 50 minutes, so so not a short one by any means either. Um, I did enjoy it. I don't know. I'm still kind of kind of mulling it over. I, I don't know. How to, Cody, have you checked this one out before? Oh, yeah. Heat classic. De Niro versus Pacino. Uh... I, I think that's the bit. You know, Pacino, the biggest surprise for me was seeing him in that like cop role. Yeah, it's reverse roles almost. Yeah. yeah, that was interesting to me. I think that was probably the, the coolest part for me. I really like, um, oh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, the blonde guy. Val Kilmer? Yeah, Val Kilmer. I like his role a lot too. And the way he, he goes out. I think Great hair. A lot of fun. Yeah, that movie, the the third act, I think, is just super intense. And I'm a big fan. Michael Mann it, class. It's got a solid opening too. Kind of sets everything up. Um, yeah. I don't think I've really seen very many Michael Mann movies. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can name another, if I'm being honest. I think it's mostly just like action stuff. But uh, yeah. Public Enemies, Miami Vice, Collateral, Ali, The Insider, Last of the Mohicans. I haven't seen most of those. 
I haven't seen any of them. So He's yeah. But Michael Mann's Ferrari coming out this year with Adam Driver. So there you go. Yeah, he's playing like an Italian hitman or something, right? That looks pretty cool. I think he's playing Ferrari. <laughs> I think I Adam think Driver so. is playing Enzo Ferrari. Who's that? The hitman? Uh, no, he's the... The founder of... <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. With Defeat the Watch List, Aiden, you now get to pick the next movie for me to watch. Um, if you just have a movie, you can give it to me. Otherwise, you can pick a year, a genre. We can shuffle. We can we can do a lot of things. How do you want to do this? Bourbon, did you watch the menu? I have seen the menu. Yes, you have. Good movie. Good flick. Okay. Still want then, the Um, I'll go. Yeah, I'll give you a year. How's that? All right, let's do it. This I is the most fun. Like, like mid two thousands. I'll give you like. 2006. 2006. There are uh, six movies on here. Uh, I could read all six, or we could we could narrow it down further, or we could shuffle. What do you want to do? Uh, give me the six. All right. So funny enough, Miami Vice, Michael Mann, 2006. <laughs> um, also, Pan's Labyrinth, Guillermo del Toro, recent uh, addition to the pod. The Holiday with Jack Black, um, little Christmas movie um volver which i do believe is a penelope cruz movie i think it's in spanish uh marie antoinette which has uh the original mary jane kirsten dunce in it the lives of others which hmm, appears to be a film in another language and i don't really know much about it and then casino royale is the last one so those are your, your choices uh go with the jack black movie the holiday <laughs> absolutely it's also got Cameron Diaz, uh, Kate Winslet as well. Oh, so it's I'm Fitting sold. and I'm Jude sold. Law. And uh, Mina will love watching it with oh, me. Oh, so. actually. Did. There you go. So I will we'll report back about the holiday in our next episode. All right. Now over to We Have a Podgorithm. With the updated movies. Yeah, Cody, very enthused today. To draw a card, and uh, we're gonna have to talk about the movie, and uh, we'll, we'll see if it's one Aiden's seen or not. Um, hey. Yeah, okay. So, a Quiet Place, Aiden, you've seen it. Tell us about it. Thirty seconds. What's your take? Oh God, a Quiet Place. Um, I hope I'm remembering this movie correctly, but if I'm if I'm right, is it, that's the movie where they can't speak for the entire time, and yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Jim from The Office, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John yeah. Jim and his so, real wife, and that's also. Is that where they? She like has birth. Wallace is she going does on. Have, she does have a yeah, baby. Yeah, that was that is about the extent of what I remember of this. I remember she steps thinking on a nail. Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. Okay. Had to bring that back in my brain, dude. Jesus. Yeah, but she she gives birth um without making a peep. So don't think that's possible. But good on her. In it, shout, out, shout out Emily Blunt. Yeah, Emily Blunt in a farmhouse. That and Looper. That's a dream. Cody, what do you think? Yeah, the Quiet Place. Um, I think last time we were talking about this movie, I said that I saw it in theaters with you, which is a complete lie. I don't know. Came out in like 2018. Yeah. I think after the fact, I was like, Cody, what are you talking about? Well, that's funny. But uh, yeah, I, I do like this movie a lot. Super good tension. I, I like the character design of the weirder aliens too. And uh, I think it's maybe John Krasinski's directorial debut. Might have to fact check that. But uh, him and Emily Blunt, obviously pretty good chemistry. I wonder where that came from. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of just intense scenes, 
her giving birth in a bathtub uh, in the nail. Yeah, you know, I don't know why you'd bring that up, but I remember that vividly now. But uh, yeah, that's about it. I think there's some really good child performances in this movie. Yeah. Um, couldn't tell you their names, but uh, we'll, we'll look right here. But no, they're both really good. Obviously, the one girl is actually, you know, hearing impaired. It's cool to kind of integrate the sign language into the actual movie itself. Um, those actors are obviously Noah Jupe and Millicent Simmons. Um, yeah, Noah Jupe. He's a classic. He's an icon um, of <laughs> other films. Cody, what else is Noah Jupe in? Go. Also, I want to bring up John Krasinski's yell at the end is iconic. For example. Okay, what else is Noah Jupin, Cody? Who's Noah Jupin? I don't know. Honey Boy, Ford versus Ferrari, Wonder, Child Actor Star. Ford versus Ferrari, I heard it's good. I still haven't seen it. That I feel like we did see in theaters together, Cody. And uh, on that oh, note, God. let's move on past the quiet place. <laughs> we did not see that in theaters together. What are you talking about? All right, Rex. Maybe I saw it with Junior. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Aiden, what have you been into recently? What do you want to recommend to the people? All right, so uh, my recommendation, I'm sure if you've watched any kind of media over the last month, you've seen a preview for this, but The Last of Us on HBO. It's a television series. First episode just came out this last Sunday. And uh, it's based on a video game. It's like one of my favorite video games of all time, especially story-wise. And uh, I'm really excited for it. I kind of had iffy expectations, especially with the casting, but I love it. You know, the first episode was awesome and uh, I think it's going to be good. I was going to check it out last night, but I clicked on the episode and it said an hour and a half. I was like, nah. It's long. Yeah. But it looks like a really good series. Pedro Pascal, uh, pretty good pick, I, I think, for the leading man, but uh, definitely one I'm going to check out. It's a good wreck. Uh, to transition into mine, I don't have a ton. Uh, I also watched Amsterdam uh, last week, which uh, I, I would not particularly recommend. Uh, Corbin, you, you have to chime in here, but um, I don't know. Something just feels off about this movie. Kind of like the dialogue. Um, it feels like it. it's written well. Like on paper, it, it probably looks really good. But in the movie... It's like it's shot bad. Good. It's yeah. It's poorly okay. made. I was going to say, too, the editing. It just feels off. I, I don't understand... Like there's a lot of ADR. Like they film the dialogue in post. That's what it is. There's just something about like every scene in the movie. I'm like, I just don't like this. But also the acting's bad and the story's whatever. So David O. Russell can hike it out of Hollywood anytime he wants. <laughs> um, and then my other big shout out. Uh, have you guys seen the the show The Rehearsal? Um, yes. I, what's what's the guy's name? I can't even remember. Nathan Fielder. Yeah, Nathan Fielder. I've also started watching Nathan for you. Um, which is not as good as the rehearsal, but the rehearsal, it's kind of like Inception, but for comedy, uh, which doesn't make in any real sense. life. Yeah, exactly. It, it's really, really weird. There's so many layers. the The pilot episode I really love. That honestly, that might be one of my favorite episodes of TV I've ever seen. Uh, as it goes along, it gets stranger and stranger. The last couple are kind of like really thought provoking, like wow, they really, like, they kind of fucked up while making the show, and that's kind of what it's about. Um, so kind of sad at the end, which is weird for for Nathan Fielder, but I, I would recommend the rehearsal. I, I think it's really good on HBO Max. What else have you been into, Cody? That's that's pretty much it. I was going to give a Rough Cut Retrospective uh, shout-out. We just did an awesome pod with them, uh, doing a, a big-time, you know, kind of fantasy football movie draft for the year. 
and that episode will be coming out shortly so definitely check them out um and also uh, star wars rogue one um i watched that the other day for the first time in forever and it might be like low-key one of my favorite star wars movies uh i think the visuals are fucking awesome in that movie and kind of something we haven't really seen since um and the direction is surprisingly good i think gareth edwards directed it didn't he or is that something else i don't know but that's the best best gareth he was kind of taken away from him a little bit by the studio but yeah it that's was directed be his best by movie of all time uh not even a question and uh, i just want to shout that out but yeah that's all my recs a little sneak preview of that fantasy draft i did take uh gareth edwards next movie uh yeah, true love so it's probably gonna be like a fan fan four stick so it's a good pick you know he did the first godzilla rogue one he's an okay director um, sucks. Sorry. some Go people ahead. think it's the best i wouldn't be one of those people but cody you've seen the trailer for a man called Otto, right i have yeah so what do you like what do you imagine the tone of this movie to be yeah, i saw your letterbox um from the trailers, it looks like a, a kooky Tom Cruise comedy. That's what I assumed it was. You know, it has its moments, but it also has its uh, low moments that I would. Um, Nobody's going to watch this movie. Just tell us. Best described as Tom Cruise trying to commit suicide over and over throughout the film, particularly, I think, four different times. Um, yeah. First, he hangs himself. Um, then he tries to uh, pull a midsummer and go for the old car in the garage, turn it on, leave it running, hose to your mouth. There's so many ways people die in that movie. I don't know what you're going for. Um, He goes for, jumps on a train track. That's a classic. Yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty rough stuff. And uh, yeah, it's kind of just a sad movie for the most part it's it's very emotional it has its laughs it's it's you know a little gran torino-esque at moments but yeah i don't know just poorly marketed film familiar with this uh this feature at all aiden do you know a man called Otto? i saw the i saw the trailer have not seen it seemed like an interesting role for tom hanks it was that kind of turned me off but i mean willing to give it a shot right Guys with dead wives. That's what that movie is. Um, it looked really bad regardless, but yeah, they marketed it a lot lighter than it seems the tone. It's definitely better than it seems. Also, just a shout out to a couple 80s movies that our, our man JD drafted in the 80s movie draft, both When Harry Met Sally and Raising Arizona. I got to see both of those in theaters um, Sunday and Monday. And uh, Raising Arizona, Coen Brothers film. Well, I guess it's singular Coen film, but they both worked on it. Uh, But it's got Nick Cage and Holly Hunter as the two leads and then John Goodwin in a fun supporting performance. Definitely an underrated movie. I feel like um, definitely would recommend checking that one out. I back it. I like that movie a lot. But uh, otherwise, also watch, I say watch The Last of Us. I haven't seen the first episode, but I, I agree. I, I like the video game a lot as someone who really hasn't played a lot of video games. Um, I definitely enjoy that one. And uh, yeah, check out that RCR episode next week or today. 100%. Heck yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, just want to thank Aiden again for coming on. Uh, you know, we really... Really did a handful of bashing in your last movie. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming back on, man. Hope you had fun. Go yeah, check out uh, no. Aiden's writing, uh, his sports betting advice. Yeah. True. Just Plug don't it. follow Plug the it. advice. Yeah. 
Uh, clutchpoints.com slash Aiden Cotter. I'll pop right up. And you can just fade me. That's all my friends do. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, let's see. This is season four. I came on in season two, so I'll probably be back in season six. Give me another two years or so. We'll be expecting you. Aiden, thanks again a lot for coming on. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Stay Captain. Peace. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. <laughs> <laughs>